The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, chriscooper.co.uk, and I'm delighted to be uh, today with uh, Nigel Risner, and we're going to talk about the uh, impact code. Um, But before we talk to Nigel, I'd like to uh, say a a huge uh, thank you to my guest, uh, Darren LaCroix, who I interviewed uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, about owning the stage. That was just before your um, Thanksgiving, if you uh, um, celebrate that. Um, I thought Darren was was just fascinating, and he gave us some really great wisdom on on what you need to do to own a stage when speaking. And I think the you know that same that that important message that if you want to be great at something, you've got to practice, 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 and that really does stick in my mind. Um, also, uh, last week, because of um, Thanksgiving in the United States, we ran a show on profit. We ran it with Mike Ogilvy. Uh, some great wisdom, again, from Mike. If, if profit's something that's important to you, uh, do check that show out. And if you want to um, know about the shows that are, that, that are coming up and, uh, and get some of the sort of inside track on some of these and uh, key sort of learnings, uh, then um, I have a communication that uh, goes out once a month, and you can access that at chriscooper.co.uk. Just click sign up, and uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very uh, sort of intelligent uh, newsletter, which um, I hope will be helpful to you. So... Are you looking to make a greater impact in business and life? And if so, there are few people better to make you sit up and listen with their compelling and exciting philosophy than my guest on this show today, Nigel Risner. Uh, during this, impact, this interview, we're going to be discussing some of the key principles of his very successful book, uh, The Impact Code. Uh, Nigel is the only motivational speaker in Europe uh, to have been awarded Speaker of the Year from the Academy for Chief Executives, Executive Committee and Foot Down. He's a respected author, television presenter and a prolific speaker. And he speaks with authority, his own life having veered perilously away from comfortable norms at times. Um, I first heard about Nigel about three or four years ago and I was just starting to think about this show and somebody said to me, you know, you should get at some point Nigel Risner on. Uh, so I'm delighted uh, that uh, three years later and uh, to have Nigel on today. Now Nigel's learned that positive results can come from negative experiences and that we often learn best from situations which are unfamiliar and even uncomfortable. As one of the youngest CEOs of a financial services company in the city of London, um, Nigel uh, knows business as well as he knows life, and more importantly, he knows what it takes to lead a successful business. So he was one of the youngest. Um, he has the ability to translate with electrifying effect that, uh, that hands-on experience into a coherent, compelling, and exciting philosophy. And his book, The Impact Code, and also his, his other book, It's a, a Zoo Around Here, have sold in their thousands and are literally transforming lives around the world. So a huge pleasure to welcome today uh, Nigel Risner. 
Thank you so much indeed. You're very welcome. Uh, Nigel, what, what a, it's great to have you on the show today. And, and I wonder if you could maybe start off by telling us uh, a little bit about your background and uh, how you ended up doing what you do. Um, I had a not a traumatic school experience, but I was labelled educationally retarded when I was about 13. And that wasn't a great motivational message for someone who wanted to inspire and empower people. And I went through the school system and at 16, I was given a great opportunity to work for a phenomenal guy who ran a finance company. And I left school before my 16th birthday, joined this guy. And for about two and a half years, I just had fun. I played. I just got business. And I was arranging commercial finance. And then I had a slight meltdown in a way that I really wanted to go to Israel to do hotel management. And I'd always had this thing about going to Israel and I decided to leave the company on really good terms. And I went to Israel and I signed up for this course. And about two days later, I thought, I don't really want to be doing hotel management. Hmm. And my roommate was playing tennis and coaching. And I'd spent a, a number of years in London playing tennis. And I became a coach for the Israel Tennis Center. And for nearly two years, I coached, I umpired. Um, I became a qualified coach. I then did a Davis Cup match between Israel and France. And then I got headhunted back to England to work for a finance company. And whilst I was working for them, I saw an advert to work for an estate agent who wanted me to set up a finance company. Now, I was just 20 and a half at the time. And he thought the guy I was going to be working with, I was about 25. And I didn't disagree with him, but I didn't agree with him. And he said, look, I've got a company with about £12.80 in it. You can be the manager of this company. And I went, perfect. So I started a company called Millbourne, because my parents lived in Millbourne Lane in Isha, with £12.80, <laughs> and bought him out about six years later for about two and a half million with some heavy hitters in the city who helped me fund it on the basis we were going to go public. And at 25, we didn't go public. We got venture capital with ECI Venture Capital in the business which was a huge mistake, but I didn't know it at the time, because all of a sudden I now had someone controlling me, and I was this maverick who just did business, and I had no idea about finance and systems and accounts. I just was a, uh, a communicator, a salesperson, and I love working with people. And they invested a lot of money, and then the financial crash happened, and we lost an absolute fortune. I got us back to a break-even. And then I resigned because I just knew I could never do this again. I couldn't work for people. And I left my own company with one month's salary. Came home and started all over again with my wife and a PA. And for a couple of years, I just had some, a couple of people in my house helping with my finance company. And very quickly made an awful lot of money because I realized actually making money wasn't complicated. Working with people was complicated. And I then went on my very first ever personal development course, which nearly leads us probably to your next question. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, what, one thing you did uh, mention to me, that you'd been a taxi driver at some point. When well, that's kind of an interesting concept. So when we had the venture capital in, and they put a lot of money in, and the crash happened, we lost an absolute fortune, and interest rates went up to 15%, if you can remember, in about 1992, 1993. And we'd lost millions, and I needed a bit more money. 
And I asked the board for a pay rise, and you can imagine they weren't over happy with this. And they said no. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? And I couldn't sell my car because I was the chief exec. And I couldn't sell my house because there was a mortgage on it to the company. And I decided, I wonder if I could do a bit of like car hire or minicabbing at night because I'd left out a little part of the story that my company car was a Bentley. Mm. So for seven and a half months, I did minicabbing at night from 7 p.m. to about 3 a.m. in the morning. Wow. So, you, so when did you sleep? Um, between three and eight, <laughs> and, three and, and eight. at the weekends on Saturdays. But what I realized was that, you know, when life throws you a lemon, you have a choice. You can either cry and moan about it, or you look at some of the opportunities that are around you. And I wasn't in personal development then, so I didn't really know, you know, there's some cliche and stories. But I thought, I've got a car outside, let's use it. And instead of bitching and moaning and whining, which is what we call the BMW brigade, I decided just to use what I had. And the car was outside. And for seven months, that's what I did. So, so, I, so I guess, you know, in those sort of situations, you know, the message there is that sometimes you just got to do what it takes. Uh, and look at the I mean, you're not think I ever suggested, oh, this is a brilliant new way for God showing me a new experience. I was annoyed. I was, you know, angry. But I had physiotherapy bills for my son, who's got mild cerebral palsy. You know, there was maintenance costs. My kid was in private school and I didn't have any money. And my board weren't going to give me more money. So for seven months, that's what I did. And I was a good minicab driver, by the way. <laughs> and so you know, was, it, was it the personnel, so the personal development course that inspired you to, uh, you know, move towards what you're doing now, which is, uh, you know, more speaking and educating and writing? Um, a, a bit of that. But what happened was my wife and I started having a few marital issues. She went on a personal development course. I thought I ought to go on this personal development course so we'd have some common ground. And halfway through this course in the UK, I thought I'd like to do this type of stuff, but for business. So I worked with them for a couple of years. And then in 1997, I had the opportunity to go on a course with Jack Canfield who's the guy who co-wrote the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, etc. And for about three or four years, I went backwards and forwards to the States. But I was very, very uh, lucky that I met a guy called Brian Chernett, who was the founder of the Academy of Chief Executives, who now runs an organization called Ella, which is a chief executive group for nonprofit organizations. And I met him at a wedding, and he gave me an opportunity to speak to one of his groups. And that was the defining moment. Excellent. And, you know, you're known, and, and, you know, I've known you for a little while, and I know a lot of people who, um, you know, who know you too through the Speaking Association, and you are known for being really kind of hard-hitting, and you're not afraid to say it as it is. And, you know, I wondered, was this a case of nurture, or is it a, a consequence of you, you know, having chosen to adopt that as a strategy? I think part of it is because of the training that I did and there'll be some people on this show who'll remember the original EST training, mm. which was Werner Erhardt in the late 60s. And their training was, you know, you came in a training room, you stayed in a room for eight hours. There was no crying. If you want to go to the toilet, you wait. And my original training was nearly on that basis. And what I realized was, you know, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. Otherwise, you'll find an excuse. And I really didn't want to put up with people's sob stories 
if they really wanted to change their lives. And I was quite tough with people. And I'm still quite tough with people. And I tell people I've only got one interest at heart to see if I can improve what you're doing. And if you like me at the end, that's a bonus. I did it when I was 28. I did my first introduction was a program called the Landmark Forum. And <coughs> so something very similar to Landmark is what I did. And it changed my life. Something very, very similar. And I spent two and a half years as an assistant trainer, had loads of fun, but they're quite set in their way. Yeah. And when I started, I thought that was the way. Then I went to Jack in America and he was a much softer approach because he was all about self-esteem and gently easing you in. So I had this conflict and 13 years later, I think I'm a lot gentler than I was, but I'm still a lot tougher than most. So, so tell us about the impact code. What's that all about? Well, <laughs> about eight, nine years ago, I actually realized that what people wanted in life was to walk into a room, make an impact, share some stuff, leave, and hopefully their lives would change. The problem was that they would do this big story, and you probably know people who do networking events, they do their elevator pitch and they've got their snazzy business card. But then they just left the room and people were like a little bit shell-shocked. So I came up with this idea that I wonder if you could create an impact. And I do mnemonics for lots of different things. And I'll share the mnemonic in a minute. But if that you really made an impact and people remembered what you said and could repeat what you'd said and felt comfortable with what you said and felt nurtured by what you said, they'd probably feel there was a connection. Uh, and, you know, that's, uh, those, those sets of skills, I, I you know, guess, are helpful in every situation. You know, not, maybe not just in a group of people, but also uh, you know, perhaps with your family and those sorts of things. Well, and, and that's the key part, because the letter I of the impact code is all about being in the room. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of people will requote Nigel Risner by saying, if you're in the room, be in the room. Most people who've ever heard me speak will remember that for years. I've had testimonials by saying it saved my marriage. It saved the relationships. Now, when we have dinner, we put our phones away and we're in the room. When we have meetings, people will say, are you doing a Risner? Are you in the room? Because most people are in the room, but their minds are elsewhere. So for this particular interview, I, I'm not playing Candy Crush in the background. I'm not looking at my phone. The only thing I'm doing is focusing on giving you the best result that I can give. And I can't even see you. And I don't know who's listening to the message, but I'm in the room to give the best job that I can do. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I think that's a real, for me, I, I think that's a real important distinction. You know, when you meet, you meet people who are successful, uh, usually, I think the good ones, the ones I certainly connect with, are those people who who are absolutely focused on you and what you're doing. And uh, it's not just about them and getting their message across. It's it's a, you know it's listening and, uh, and and responding and and engaging. And uh, the, those conversations sometimes can be quite few and far between when people are, as you say, in the room and 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 fu fully with you. You know, you'll often talk to people and they'll quickly look down at their mobile or they're looking behind you because someone else interesting has come in. You know, and it's very important. You know, kids spell the word love, T-I-M-E. They want your time. 
and it's an opportunity and it's op, it, it's an interesting time for me to share this right now because coming up to christmas or hanukkah or diwali kids really want presents more than presents mm-hmm. now don't get me wrong kids obviously like presents but a parent who spends time with their kid playing with the present they bought them is 50 million percent more involved more important and is valued by the child than the parent says look go upstairs play with your toy and come down in a couple of hours i, I can i can directly relate correlate the sort of really the behavior of my eldest son with how much time i spend with him yeah uh, yeah if i put time into him his behavior is great but uh, you know his behavior can be quite challenging when i've not i've not uh, invested that time in him or i've been been away so i'm very you, you, but your son will do something very interesting and it's called your son gets positive feedback from negative behavior so if you don't give him attention he'll do something to get your attention yeah i.e writing on the wall being rude turning over the tv channels and then all of a sudden he gets attention from you that's exactly what happens with staff that if you don't reward your staff and you don't share with your staff and you're not in the room for your staff the people who are doing a good job will realize that the way to get attention is to miss targets is to not turn up is to mess up and then you have a one-to-one with the ceo mm. Mm. we've just got we just got about a minute left uh, to uh, to um before we go to commercial break but i just very quickly wondered you know what are what are the, some of the things you see in people who really aren't demonstrating impact Sorry, just repeat the question. Yeah, what are, what, are, what, are, what are some of the problems and uh, some of the things that you see in people who really aren't adopting these principles? What are the consequences? Well, one of, one of the biggest issues is that people miss out on opportunities because they're not listening. Yeah. So you're in a meeting and you miss some of the nuances. You miss some buying signals. You know, your wife says to you, can you when you come home, can you bring three pounds of sugar and two bunches of flowers? And you don't quite get it right. And the fight that ensues, it's not about the eggs, it's not about the sugar, it's because you obviously don't care. Mm. Because if you cared, you'd have listened, because that's supposed to be the most important person in your life. Your, you know, your team that you say are really important and our staff are our biggest asset, and you miss a one-to-one because you just missed it in your diary because you're elsewhere, because you didn't quite check. There's where the impact occurs. I think that's very true. I think my wife would agree with that. It got me thinking. She asked me to say that, by the way, she, Chris. I think she did. I think, I think she sent you some money. <laughs> she didn't even have to send me money. She said, please, Chris, Nigel, will you just have a quick chat with Chris and pretend it's part of the show? <laughs> She's very shrewd. Uh, thank you. So we're going to get a commercial break now. And after the break, we're going to look at um, impact and uh, and the key components, um, you know, more than... Uh, the first principle, which is if you're in the room. Um, so we'll, we shall be continuing on with Nigel in just a couple of minutes. So do come back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to be more achieve more with host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to info at be more that's info at be more now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Nigel Risner. We're talking about the impact code, and I think a, a great way to start this uh, section, Nigel, is to just, if you could just very briefly um, overview what um, the impact code is and the, the sort of key elements of it, and then we'll come back and we'll chat in about each of them in a bit more detail. So there are six key elements, and each letter of the word impact has a, an important part to play in creating an impact. The first one is about being in the room, and I often show you either in tense or your past tense. So wherever you are, give the maximum you've got there. The M stands for modeling. So, you know, you want to find out who are your heroes, model their behavior. Don't model bad behavior. If you're going to do something, make sure it's with passion. It's with energy and surround yourself with passionate people. You've got to take action, which is the key thing in anything. You know, if you do the first three, but you don't take any action, you're just an imp and not really very much happens. Hmm. You've got to learn how to communicate. And we'll talk about communication, I'm sure, later. But communication is the key to virtually life, relationships, business. And then the last bit, which brings it all together, is trust. Because if you don't trust yourself, you don't have a team you trust, and you don't have processes you trust, then it's a very lonely existence. Great. So well, we, we talked about if you're in the room, be in the room. Um, but I just want to just sort of ask, in terms of being in the room, is it just about listening? Or is there more that we need to do to really be present? Well, it's it's really about making sure that, you know, if you're making a commitment to be somewhere, be there or go where you need to be. Because for the next 40 minutes or so, I made a decision. This was important. But if in, a, in the middle of this interview, my son in America rang and said he'd broken his leg, I would cut this meeting because I need to be in another room in that moment. And I'd have to choose where my attention is because you can't split attention. And women who can multitask better than men can't do it as well as they think they can, but they can definitely do it better than us men. So, so it's, it's a conscious decision to behave in a certain way. which, which When you're wherever you are. Yes. 
Um, so, so if you're in the cinema, enjoy the film. You're now, you're now there. It's no use thinking about work when you're in the cinema, because when you get home, you can probably be thinking about the film you missed. And do you, with this, things like this, I mean, do you have a, do you have a, a, a way for people to make sure this becomes a habit? Because we've got to practice these things. Because it's, it's, like, it's a conscious thing you have to remember, isn't it? And until it yeah. becomes habit. Um, yes, except there's a little caveat. You can't be in the room for longer than about 40 minutes. So you've got, you know, so if this was a three-hour meeting, after 40 minutes, my mind starts to go elsewhere. You know, it's getting dark outside. I'm thinking about dinner. We've got guests coming over tonight. My son's seven hours behind his moving job. I need to check with him about this. So you've got to allow people that after 40 minutes or so, they're going to drift. Give them a break. Yeah. Yeah. Breaks if up. the Michael McIntyres and Peter Kays of the world have a break in the middle of their set, and they are very funny people, most people's business meetings are not. <laughs> And uh, some of those occasionally go on for hours and hours. And it's a waste of money. Absolute waste of money. You know, there are statistics beyond statistics that say that 80% of meetings are probably a waste of time and cost billions and billions, in the States especially, where people have looked at some of the statistics of, you know, how much time is wasted. And they say about 11 million meetings take place in the States every single day, which is about two and a half billion Based on the average salary of about $30 an hour, that means they're spending $80 billion on meetings. Incredible. And do, do, you, believe, do you have a belief that people should, um, was this just, I forget who, whose idea it was now, we used to have these meetings where people were standing, so they... Uh, well, Terry Leahy of, uh, of Tesco's. Uh, and if you go back one stage, the Queen, with her Privy Council does a whole report on the whole of the nation with the Prime Minister for 15 minutes and David Cameron is standing through it. Mm. The minute you sit down and have a cup of tea, all of a sudden the energy goes, and it's a lovely chat, but we're busy people. Yes, yes. So I think, so keeping the meeting short potentially, um, time bound could be helpful, or as you say, there have breaks in them every 40 minutes. It is that the agenda is really wide. When I speak and I'm asked to speak for longer than an hour, I will say to them, I really need a break at 40 minutes. I think I'm one of the best as an interactive speaker, and I can probably do 55 minutes. But much longer than that, the audience need to move. Yeah. You know, so if you have a two-hour session with PowerPoint, you've nearly wasted an hour for most people. Now, there'll be some people on this show who'll argue, statistically, you can be in a room about 50 minutes. 20 minutes if it's pure PowerPoint. Mm. Yeah, good, good, uh, good point. Aaron. So th let's move on to the next um, um, next uh, point in the impact code, uh, model from the best. So who did you model, Nigel? Um, well, it's interesting. So I modeled off Jack in the beginning, and Jack Camford was a great storyteller, and I wasn't. So what happened was I was trying to be someone I wasn't, and the more I became myself, the better it was. And then I was very fortunate to meet a guy called Tim Perring, who was a bizarre guy that Jack had on one of his courses. And Tim just did his own stuff. He walked around the room and he got his briefcase out and he got his notes out. And then he had a bit of a break and he stopped. And the more I realized that if I could just be me, I'd be awesome. But if I try and be who I'm not, I'm not great. So you model off the people you like, you model off the people you think are really great. 
and you take the best of what they do and nearly plagiarize that energy and build your own show. Yes. People see through it if it's not you, don't they? 100%. So, Christopher, you know, this show comes from an idea, whether it's David Frost or it's Terry Woe, you know, that type of thing. So you've looked at the best of what there is there, thought, I like this, I don't like that. And then you do your show, which is awesome. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And so often we see, I remember somebody uh, sort of saying to me, you know, before I went on stage, uh, you know, get, really give it some and, uh, you know, pump your fist up in the air and that kind of thing. Uh, a complete mistake, because it wasn't me. Um, I, I speak in, a, in, in my own way and it's, uh, and it's different to other people. And uh, I, I'm not going to feel comfortable if I'm, if I'm jumping around the stage and uh, pumping fists and, uh, and adopting a very uh, uh, extremely extrovert style. Um, so you were trying to do like a Tony Robbins, and the best you'll ever come out is second best because you're not Tony, and Tony Robbins couldn't be you. So just be the best you that you can be. Yeah. But just look at what works with other people. And if it sits well with you, copy it. If it doesn't, don't. Absolutely. And so then um, passion and, pur- passion and purpose. Um, you said uh, ch- uh, chase your passion. So how do people discover their passions and their purpose and then get on and chase it? Well, we'll just do passion in a way because it nearly encompasses both. If you're not passionate about what you do, so if you'd have asked me on this radio show, you know, could I talk about return on investment and understanding the back office of selling computers and back of room sales? I could probably do it, but I promise you, you'd hear in my voice, that was not my real passion. And I nearly get away with it. You'd finish the interview by going, that really wasn't you, Nigel, was it? And I'd go, well, not really, because I'm not very passionate about it. But I asked me to talk about self-esteem, forgiveness, goals, teamwork, leadership, communication. And that's my real passion. But there's a second bit that goes with this, Chris, which says you're the average of the five people you hang around with. And if your team aren't passionate, they can literally bring you down like psychic vampires do that just suck the lifeblood out of you so you need to be aware of your circle the people you surround yourself with because passionate people can lift you up and negative energy can literally bring you down Um, and what's your what's your thought then um you know one of the things i kind of realized through some uh some profiling work i do and from a a a larger business that i'd owned at one, one stage was that uh, you, you know this positivity uh, a lot of people you know there's a view that you should be uh, positive and uh, enthusiastic and what have you but sometimes uh, and sometimes you get some you know negative more negative people who see the the risks in things and uh, and to a positive person they can see be seen as being the kind of atmosphere hoovers but actually what I've kind of realized is some of those people are really important because they see the problems in things before they go to market when we do some stuff on communication you'll hear me share that energetic people can sometimes be blinded by this massive energy. And there are some people who are more practical and are thoughtful and want to see a longer-term process. If we both understand that in order to create this radio show, you've got to have a system. And if you remember, you sent me some questions and you wanted a profile and you wanted to make sure I knew how to do the system. Yeah. And for my energies, I don't worry about it. Just I'll just turn up. Both of us have got to adapt that we've got to make sure that our passion matches the process. Absolutely. 
And, we and so it doesn't mean you're negative and you didn't trust me. You want it done a certain way and I want to do it a certain way. So if we both agree that we're going to have what's called high intention and low attachment. Mm. So if we've got massive intention to make this radio show the best it's going to be, but we both don't quite know how it's going to be, but we both intend to give the best we've got, the show will be a success. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And so, you know, if you understand that you're in the room and we've got massive intention to create something great, there's a good chance this will be a success. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, this uh, ha having, a, having a process and a system is, is helpful. Some people really need it, but some, some don't. And, you know, I always say if you've got, if you've got the system there, you can, you can go off piste, but you do always know where to come back to if you need it. Um, so yeah, maybe that's the way, the way I work, but it seems to work, it seems to work well um, having some kind of structure. Um, whereas, uh, you know, someone like you who knows your subject so well, then you don't necessarily need that structure. You probably answered all these questions many, many hundreds, if not thousands of times. But that's only because someone trusted me with the process. Mm. And I'm passionate about what I do. So I did a bit of research. I didn't just wing it and think, well, I hope he asked me these questions because I'll know the answers to this. So whilst it looks like I don't always prepare, I've done thousands of hours to do my 50 minutes on stage. Yeah. And that's the thing that some people don't get about uh, that kind of work around speaking, isn't it? That they see... Maybe they're paying for that uh, 50 minutes, but actually there's thousands of hours of, uh, of, of preparation and practice and, uh, and refining and thinking, and that goes into something like, you know, the, the sort of 45 minutes that you do. That's well, Peter Kay, Michael McIntyre, Lee Evans do about 50 shows all over the country before they do their first live show. That's commitment, isn't it? Yeah, because they want to make sure when they're on stage in front of the Manchester Arena, in front of 10,000 people, the jokes work, the banter works. Very little of it is just off the cuff, which we think it is. They are ultimate professionals. And when I'm on stage and someone gives me a little comment and I do a quick reply, people go, well, that was brilliant. Well, because I've thought about it. And not that I'm, I don't think of anything on my feet, but I'm a consummate professional that I've paid a lot of money to be awesome and I want to make sure I deliver that. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be, want to be the best, you've got to put the time in, haven't you? The yeah. And, and from last week's interview, you know, you had a, an awesome speaker who said about practice, 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 practice. So I tell lots of speakers, you have to do loads and loads of showcases. So someone comes up to you to ask you, what do you charge? Mm. <laughs> makes a lot of sense so that that leads us nicely on to the next point which was about action you know when all is said and done you've got to much more said than done much more said than done you've got to got to get out there and you've got to act uh, uh, you know i have a lovely line that says you can't aim a duck to death <laughs> at some point you've got to do something and it won't always work but unless you take action and you know the word satisfaction comes from the latin word satis which is enough an action. So if you take enough action, you get satisfaction. Mm. Most people don't take enough action. They do just enough to get by. But if they just put in that extra 5%, they'd be amazed at what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was a so I always ask people at the end of every week, you know, what did you actually do in alignment with the mission? What did you do in alignment with making your customers the best they can be? Mm. See, I, I, I 
so you, you've got to kind of move towards something to receive it haven't you and yeah you know just visualizing is not the answer and i'm not knocking the program and the book the secret but visualization alone will not work i don't care what anybody says visualization on its own will not work because i'm visualizing winning the lottery tomorrow night by the way chris i'm visualizing it the best way for me to win the lottery tomorrow do you know what it is is buy a ticket okay. yeah buy a ticket um so yeah, yeah i completely completely agree you've got to you've got to get into action and maybe if you're not getting the results that you want if you if you know what you want that's uh, something to uh, you know take take your words nigel and think about that you said maybe you're just not acting enough in the direction uh, if, you you know, if, if your phone isn't ringing it's because you're not ringing enough people if you're not networking with enough people they're not going to contact you if you're not speaking enough no one's going to hear your message if you're not writing enough you can't get a book out Mm. whatever you're doing for everyone who's listening to this program do another five percent and just be amazed at the results you get great advice and uh, i'm going to move on we've got three minutes now to a commercial break but uh, let's talk about uh, communicate the whole of the world needs to learn to communicate better lots of us have done profiling and when we do a profile what we find is who we are unless you talk to yourself it doesn't matter who you are You've got to quickly identify who they are. And I have a very simple process in my book. It's a zero around here, which helps people identify profiles of other people. Brilliant. So we'll, get, we'll, chat, we'll chat about those um, after the break. Um, I know one of the, the things in that sort of communicate, uh, you, you know, reading some of your, your information was, you know, the question, are you having enough fun? Uh, and, you know, I know there's a kind of a, a fun element for you as well in that communication. Well, you know, if you're not having fun, and there's no comic relief and you're not laughing and smiling at least twice a day. You're going to find at some point it's time to leave in relationships. If you're not laughing or being laughed at and my wife, there's lots of laughing at me. Trust me. You know, you've got to have a bit of a blast. You know, my PA and I, we have lots of fun. The organization is around communication and comic relief. People who laugh together stay together. People who communicate well stay together. You just got to lighten up a bit. It's not that bad, the world. Excellent. On, the, on that note, uh, I couldn't agree more. We're going to go into commercial break, and then after the break, we'll uh, look at uh, – we'll go, we'll go to have a look at um, trust, and then we'll come back and uh, look at all those elements around communication. So we'll be back with you in just another couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. 
Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Nigel Risner. And uh, Nigel, I just want to I just want to quickly share actually what we were talking about in the break, break very briefly because um, I, I said to you that uh, you know that, that the point you made there about if you're not getting enough uh, calls, you're not making enough calls, etc. And you started to share something, a little story there about your father being an optician. And I just think it'd be really worth you just sharing that. So you know, my father was an ophthalmic optician and he was quite advanced with some of the stuff that he did. And he was one of the very first contact lens practitioners. And he used to send out his reminders for six month checkups when he was at his busiest. Because that way he didn't have the quiet times. Because what you never want to do is to be ringing up people when you're in what I call scarcity mode. And then use this line. I was just passing. I thought you might be interested because it's so clear that you've got no work. Yes. But if you could call people when you're in abundance mode, when you really couldn't cope with much work, you'll be amazed at what the responses are. So I've got virtually no free days until April. So I'm ringing people and people are saying, look, can we have you in March? I'm going, I'd love to do March, but right now we're chock-a-block. But I've got a couple of dates opening in May, and all of a sudden now May's getting booked. Mm. But I don't want to get to May to start asking people for May. Uh, that, that's such a good point because the, the danger is that when you are really busy, you can get a bit complacent. Uh, and we all do that. You know, we were talking before the program, you and I have had a couple of very busy weeks and we're nearly getting ready to wind down. But this is the time to be ramping it up a bit because, you know, business is going to close about the 19th, 20th of December. People aren't going to be back to about the 8th of January. Then the first week of January, people aren't really going to want some of the stuff that we do. It's going to be like the middle of January before we get going. That's a long month without business. Mm. And then you're going to start making phone calls in desperation mode. Mm. Use next week to be ringing people, to be writing to people, you know, sending hampers out or, you know, instead of just doing the standard bottle of wine or Christmas card, be a bit more innovative, be a bit more impactful. Mm. Good point. Let's, let's just very quickly um, just uh, talk about trust, and I really would love to uh, talk about your communication styles. Um, so with, with um, you know, building trust, are there any tips and thoughts? Because you just mentioned there, interestingly, sort of sending hampers and things like that or whatever out for Christmas being innovative. 
And how well, trust? trust is key for me. I have a number of clients who I have their security fobs to get into their buildings. I don't have to wait in reception or wait in a car park waiting for someone to unlock a door. They trust me enough to give me their security system so I can go into their building. I have a number of clients that I don't have to send them an agenda. I've got some clients who want the full agenda, but I have at least 25% of my clients who just trust what I'm going to do before I'm going to do it because they just know I'll deliver. Mm. I trust myself that 95% of the time I know what I'm going to deliver. I've delivered some of that stuff before. So when I'm on stage, just trust the process that, you know, if there's a blackout or the mic doesn't work or the next slide doesn't work, I can trust myself. I can deal with that and not go into mad panic. But more importantly, I trust people until they let me down, not the other way around. So I'm a lot more trustworthy of people than sometimes they may be of me. But if you're going to get let down, you're going to let, get let down anyway. 2% of the world are going to let you down, whether you trust them or not. 98% of the world, in my humble opinion, want to play your game. And do, do you think, if you, you know, there'll be some people listening to this who are you know, starting out versus somebody like yourself with so much experience. Uh, to, to build that trust... Uh, does that take uh, take time? Just keep you know keep doing things right, keep um, uh, keep operating in a in a trusting way, and then when you get uh, you know more experience and under your belt, and you you're known more, and people have got more experience with you, it gets to a point when the, that trust is uh, you know I guess very um, makes life easier and uh, enables you to to benefit from it. With Look, I'd like to say to all the listeners, and I'd love it to be. Just don't worry, go out there, just trust everyone. You've got to use a little bit of common sense. But I'm trusting you, Chris. This show's going to be phenomenal. It's going to go out to thousands of people, and it will be a great success. That's just the process I'm in. Mm. There could be a glitch on a bit of the taping. There could be a glitch on something. Well, that just is the way it is. But I'm not going to say, until it's perfect, don't put this out, because we could wait years for that basis. Mm. We, we could. So let's go. Let's get on to communication styles because uh, you liken them to a zoo. So tell us what you mean and how you become, uh, in your words, a great zookeeper. So <coughs> there are things like Myers Briggs, Belbin, Disc Insight, and a lot of profiling systems which are very good. The issue that I have is that very often we don't have time to profile people and ask them to fill in a very long questionnaire to do the computing to see what their, their systems are, you've got to look at people and imagine that everyone you meet is part of a zoo. So I think the whole world can be divided into four animals. You've got the monkeys who are the energetic, playful people who are normally quite mavericks, they're entrepreneurs, the Richard Bransons of the world who don't really follow systems. Then you've got some of the lions who are really direct, in your face. They just tell you the way it is. No messing about. And if a meeting starts at nine, you better be there at 8.58. Then you've got some of the detail people who are traditionally accounted civil engineers who are process-driven, who are what I call the elephants. And they are by nature cautious, precise, and they want an agenda, and they'd like to know all the questions in advance. And then you've got the dolphins who are caring, nurturing, supportive, who want to make sure the world is a better place. And if you've got all those animals in your camp, you have got to learn to become an effective zookeeper. 
because zookeeping is about feeding the animals the right food to give them what they need so they are motivated inspired mm. and, and, and how, how do you do that well let me use you chris as an example because i think you're an elephant with lion tendencies okay okay so i know you're quite detailed there's a process you go through with every person who appears on your show there's a system there's a format and you can't mess up with it. And when then you have to have a pre-call, you want to make sure it's sorted out. There's an engineer and all that stuff. And because I know that's your style, I didn't just say, look, it'll be fine. Trust me. Don't even send me this stuff. We'll just have a bit of fun. Because that wouldn't sit comfortably with you, would it, Chris? Um, I, it's, it's interesting. I think, I think what, I, what I know, I actually struggle sometimes with detail. And I would say it's actually a bit of a weakness. So... What I do is I've, I've built a system in place to make sure that the detail's there and the, and, and, and the thing works. But as an elephant, you see, you could build a system. Mm. As a monkey, my system is turn up at four. Yeah. You know, that's my system. You know, I was in my house ready for this at quarter to four because I thought that was a lot of preparation. Yes. <laughs> and for a monkey, that's marvelous. And I still had to ring, your, your, to ring one of your teams. I couldn't remember what I had to do. <laughs> even with all the briefing stuff because that's what monkeys are like <laughs> and you kind of knew that you just said do this do that and we'll be fine yes so the two of us both played what we call zookeeper because i knew i had to do something but i thought i can't just wait till four o'clock and say i've got no idea so i gave you 15 minutes and i remember speaking to one of your team and she went phew i thought you were ringing because there was a problem because that's that whole supportive side and one of your phenomenal team, Hazel, is a massive dolphin. She just wants the world to be right and for you and I to be okay. And I'm sure she's anxious to find out how this goes on. And then she can breathe again. She's, uh, she's absolutely fantastic. Hey, Hazel's a dolphin, you see. So she's supportive. She's caring. She's nurturing. Yeah, she'll be listening to this and she'll be, uh, she'll be wanting, wanting it to go well. She always does. And uh, you, you need people like that. It's, uh, 100% it's, uh, you need people like this. So so important, and when when you're talking to say a, some of the audiences you speak to, I know are absolutely immense. And how do you ensure that you appeal to all of these different styles in that audience? Because in the first minute, I try and hit all four camps in the very first couple of sentences. So there's a little funny joke or video for the monkeys. It's quite short and punchy. There's the impact code. There's only six things you've got to do. Lines like that. For the elephants, I always tell them there's a book at the end if they want, if they email my elephant. So in my organization, we have a CEO who's the chief elephant officer, who's Alison. And she does all this paperwork and this stuff, and she loves it. And for the dolphins, we're going to make sure before you leave that you've got pens and pads and hats and you've got some things to take back to the children. And I'll literally do that in the first minute, and most of the audience then feel like they're being spoken to. Hmm. Uh, so, 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 so straight away, straight away at the beginning, and then that gets people on board. Yeah, you see, if you don't get the lions and monkeys on board quickly, they will get irritated and then start chatting and looking at their phones. Yeah. They have a very low attention span, and the lions need to know they're being spoken to personally. The monkeys need to know roughly what's going to be happening because if it's longer than twenty minutes, and there's no fun or any funny videos. They're going to get bored. <laughs> The elephants can be in a room for 17 days without water. They just love taking knowledge in. And the dolphins want to make sure everyone else is happy. So if they all look like they're happy, they're fine. Mm. So, so I like that. Uh, I like that. Uh, Dancy, feeding, the, 
feeding them the right food. Uh, well, just think about that. But, you know, with your kids, one of your kids wants some time and playtime with you. One of your kids wants you to sit in the library and read some books. One of your kids wants to go to McDonald's and have a look at the menu and make their decisions themselves. If you mix it up and say, look, next week you're going to go to a football match and he doesn't want to go to a football match, you, you've missed the point. Mm. Treat people the way they want to be treated, not the way you want to be treated. Mm. Mm. Uh, you're right because uh, you're, you're, your map of the world and the way you do things is not, um, is not going to be the same as uh, everybody else. I was speaking at Whipsnade Zoo a long time ago, and I saw this guy with a long trestle table on wheels, like a long trolley, and he had about eight buckets. And each bucket had different food for the different animals. Because if you give a lion a banana, he's going to get slightly upset. <laughs> but, you know, but at least you're feeding him. You'd be feeding the wrong stuff. Mm. Mm. Is it the same with praise? It's the same with acknowledgement. You know, you don't want to run up to a lion who's the chief exec and give him a big fat kiss and say, I really love you. We think you're great. Come on stage, get a standing ovation. That's not what he really wants. He wants a trophy. He wants a certificate. He wants a, a picture in the local magazine. And the elephant does not want to be on stage. He wants a PDF attachment with a wind zip. <laughs> folder, you know, because he knows what he's doing. And the dolphin wants it for the team, not for themselves. And the monkey will accept any praise for anything. We don't care. <laughs> Uh, so uh, the way to find out more about this, I think it sounds like it's um, it's worth buying a copy of It's a Zoo. Well, and, and the book's even written in the style of the animals. So the first section is for monkeys because they're only going to read the first bit and they've got their own little yellow paper. The lines, there isn't many words for them because they've got a long time to do it. For the elephants, there's massive graphs and detail. And for the dolphins, we printed it on recycled paper. <laughs> excellent excellent so the book it's a zoo around here is life-changing in the sense that all the answers are in the book mm. you can literally play and have fun over christmas by looking at the different people around the table and think i wonder which animal you are fantastic well, i just realized nigel we've only got a couple of minutes left so i'd like to spend one minute of that what are your final messages you'd like to leave people with especially over the holiday period be in the room with your family be in the room with your clients communicate like a zookeeper and have lots of fun Nigel thank you that absolutely fantastic and some really good uh, points there and, and great final messages I shall certainly be taking those on board myself and remembering you over the uh, Christmas lunch I'll find out from your wife if you have yeah <laughs> uh, to find out more about Nigel Risner uh, go to www.nigelrisner.com that's uh, Nigel and it's R-I-S-N-E-R Com. And if you've got any questions or feedback, please send them to me. Um, send them. I've got a new uh, a new website, uh, which is uh, chriscooper.co.uk, but you can email me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. And uh, next week, uh, we have Matt Bird on the show. And Matt's going to be talking with me about relationology, which is about how to build your business through the power of relationships. And having uh, taken a good scan through his book, there's some really fabulous tips in there and uh, a few things I've not thought about. Uh, so I think that's going to be another great show but in the meantime Nigel just want to say a huge thank you um, pleasure you having you on and uh, I wish you uh, the very best and I uh, hope you and your family all have a, a great Christmas and a new year you too and it's been a real honour thank you so much indeed thank, thank you very much um, have a great week everybody 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thank you.